You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. The title of my message today is Script Changer. Script Changer. And we're going to do a little bit of a Bible study. Don't worry. I've picked one of the shortest books in the Bible, the book of Ruth. But I felt like she is the woman of the hour for right now. Hebrews tells us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. In other words, there are Bible heroes and heroines, some we know, some we don't know, who are peering over the clouds of heaven, looking down, going, what are they going to do with their time in history? Do you know that the Bible is still being written? The book of Acts actually doesn't have an ending because it's still being written. And I want to ask you the question, when we are handed the final copy of the Bible in eternity, what will it say about us? What will we do with our time in history? God wants to change the script over people's lives in this city, but also the people in this room today. And I've been doing a a deep dive into the story of Ruth over the last couple of weeks. And it's amazing because her story starts so tragically. The entrance of her life into the scriptures and into our minds is tragedy, is loss, is death. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ruth. Joshua judges Ruth, and Ruth is nestled between Judges and the book of 1 Samuel, and Ruth is living in the time of Judges. Ruth is living in the time where the Bible says that there were no kings in those days. People did what was right in their own eyes. Sounds a little bit like today. So we're introduced to Ruth in, in uh, chapter, chapter 1 here. It says, Now it came to pass in the days when the Judges ruled, that there was a famine in the land and there was a certain man of Bethlehem, Bethlehem Bethlehem means bread basket or house of bread, Judah, and went to dwell in the country of Moab. Okay, let me give you a bit of context. Moab was a very worldly, very perverse place where they worshipped idols. The land of Moab came about when Lot had an incestuous relationship with his two daughters. So the people of God didn't really have any business hanging around with the people of Moab, all right? But anyway, because there was a famine in the land, this man Elimelech, the Bible says, took his wife Naomi and his two sons to live in Moab, to live in a perverted land because he was afraid to stay in Bethlehem because they were in a famine. What does this tell me so far? It's always a bad idea to make an emotional decision in a time of famine. Just hang, hang in there. If you're in Bethlehem, which means house of bread, just wait a little bit because God's going to give you bread. So I know in this 2020 season, there has been some pressure to make decisions in the midst of a famine. Don't do it. As you'll see, it doesn't end well for them. So Elimelech takes his wives and his kids. Their names were Marlon and Chilion, his two sons. Their names mean sickly and wasting away. Okay, let's see what happens to sickly and wasting away. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died sad. And she was left with her two sons, and they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, who ended up becoming a mouthy talk show host, and the name of the other, Ruth. (laughs) And they dwelled there about 10 years. Then both Marlon and Chilion, sickly and wasting away, also died. Hello, shocker. 
Could have anticipated that. What does this tell us? What you call your kids matters. Not just their names. But if you call them good for nothing, you'll never amount to anything, you idiot, you fool. Guess what? You're going to get a harvest of your words. Don't do it. They're little treasures that have been given to you. We saw those two little beautiful girls today. And I would say to mum and dad, one of the greatest things that you could call them is princess, child of God, overcomer, victor. You're going to make it. There's something special about you. That's a word to the parents. But sadly, Naomi didn't do that. She called her kids sickly and wasting away. And then they both got sick and wasted away. (laughs) Then she arose with her daughters-in-law. So... Elimelech, her husband, is dead. Her two sons-in-law are dead. She's a widow. And now her two Moabite daughter-in-laws are widows too. And then she heard, Naomi heard, that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread back in Bethlehem. The bread basket, well, of course. You didn't need to leave San Diego and move to Texas, hashtag Arizona, hashtag North Carolina. You could have just stayed here. Because... The same God that provides for you in those three states can provide for you here. It doesn't matter about your environment. It matters about the God you serve. Okay. Don't run away from the battle. God's going to provide. Therefore, she went out from that place where she was and her two daughter-in-laws with her, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. Good decision. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as he has dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, her two daughters-in-law, surely we will return with you to your people. We're going to go back to Bethlehem, the house of bread with you. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why would you go with me? I ain't got nothing for you. There's nothing for you in the future. I am a bitter, anguished widow with nothing to give you. Let me go on alone. Turn back, she said, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I had hope and then would conceive tonight and bear a son, would you wait for them until they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No. Go back to your old house. Go back to your old ways. Your old life is beckoning. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her, listen, kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth, Ruth clung to her. Classic scene we see played out through the church throughout the ages. Some Christians are fantastic kisses. Fantastic. They can say what's right. They can wear what's right. They can hashtag what's right. They can have their WWJD bracelet. They can have the fish on their car. They can even have an awakened church tattoo. But who we really are is revealed when our old life beckons in a time of famine. When we have to trust our future to God, when our comfort and our former life and everything that can be shaken will be shaken, is shaken, and the past life looks so enticing. And right here we see the difference between these two women, between Orpah and Ruth. Orpah kissed and then left. What price your soul What price tag on your soul? What would it take for you to leave following God and turn back to your old life? For some of us, it's comfort. Ah, this is my fight. 
ah, this Christianity thing's tough. I have to die to self. Maybe it's fame. Oh, God, I love you, but I love me more. Maybe it's pleasure. Ooh, but if I follow God, I've got to take up my cross and that thing's got some splinters in it. It hurts my back at times. There's places I can't take it. I want to get through this door. I want to do this and that. And, and, and I'm being stopped because of the cross on my back. Maybe I'll just discard it and then I'll be able to walk into this room. And then I'll be able to indulge that sin. And then I'll be able to have all my desires fulfilled. Maybe it's offense. Maybe the price your soul is offense. I went to that church and the pastor offended me. Listen, I live with the pastor and he offends me too. <laughs> offends me too. He's been offending me for 29 years. But what price your soul? And then Ruth makes a vow to Naomi and it is a true conversion moment. It's not, hey, I'm going to come forward on an altar call, give my life to Jesus and then go back to my old life. She clings to Naomi, which is the picture of walking with God in the Old Testament and says, do not entreat me to leave you or to turn back from following you for where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. Far be it from me if anything but death separates the two of us that is a conversion my friends that is a real conversion experience I wonder today if we could kind of draw a line in the sand and say we're not going to be kisses we're going to be clingers we're going to cling to God when the going gets tough it's a decision I have made daily Many of us think, I'll walk down on the altar call, I'll give my heart to Jesus, I get fire insurance, I'll go to heaven, I can live any which way I want. But I'm telling you, it doesn't work that way. Your yes to God is a continual yes. You will make that yes every day. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, bump, bump. No turning back, bump, bump. That was Ruth. No turning back. No turning back. All right. So then she hangs around and then Naomi says, oh, you're determined to come with me, so she stops speaking to her. That's how we know Naomi is a woman. <laughs> now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem, again, the house of bread. And when they come to Bethlehem, all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? Finally, you came back home. You came back to church. You had a season out in the world. You don't look better for it, by the way, may I add. <laughs> you look a little weary. Look a little bitter, look a little sour, but thank God you're back in the house of God. And then Naomi stops them and she says, do not call me Naomi. Because Naomi means sweet and the Lord has dealt harshly or bitterly with me. Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for Mara means bitter. You've got to be in a pretty low place to come back to church and everybody's pumped to see you. And you've changed your own name. You have renamed yourself bitter. <laughs> you've gone down to the city and you have made it official. Where's my birth certificate? Cancel, scratch out Naomi. I am calling myself bitter. So she's in a pretty poor state, but how good is God? Even in her bitter moment, God is still there for her. God still led her out of Moab into Israel and he meets her there. 
Maybe you're in church today and you're bitter. Well, thank God you're in church because things are about to shift. And you'll see in this very, very short story of Ruth that things quickly change for bitter Mara and she turns into sweet Naomi again. She renamed herself Bitter. And then they return and her daughter-in-law was there. Now there was a relative, Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. Somebody say Boaz. He's the hero of the story. And every time you see his name, you can interchange it with Jesus. So Ruth, the Moabitess, the woman, the idol worshiper from a perverted land who was now a widow, who was a foreigner and despised and had so many ticks against her name, could have legitimately had victim tattooed on her forehead, said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I might find favour. I like Ruth because she's a hard worker. She could have sat on the ground and complained about her lot in life. She could have gone back to Moab with her sister, Orpah, and gone back to her people and her gods, and we would have never heard from her again. But no, she follows Naomi, the woman of God, the word of God, into an unknown future, and God finds her there. And she's not crying victim. She puts on her overall. She rolls up her sleeves. She puts that scarf around her neck, not over her face, and starts to work in the field. And then she left, and then she did what she said she was going to do, and she gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part, she just so happened, I won't skip over that, she just so happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Can I say to you today, beautiful friends, when you walk with God, when you say yes to God, when you're not a kisser, but a clinger, you will find nothing just so happens. It's all divinely orchestrated. The fact you are sitting in this seat today is the very divine orchestration of the Lord who loves you, who has led you here to hear a message of faith, hope and love to tell you that the script is about to change over your life. Well, what about my family of origin? Oh, Look at Ruth's family of origin. She was from a despised race. The Israeli people weren't even meant to spend any time with the Moabites. And yet here she finds herself with very clearly the hand of God on her life because man is not in charge of your destiny. God is. And God can open a door that no man can shut. Stop limiting your future as to what doors men can open. And start to see it doesn't matter about your background, your family of origin, the colour of your skin, the sex of your birth, your social status. It's about the God you cling to. Can somebody say a huge amen? Because we're sending out the word today in East County. And so she just so happens, not really, to come to the field of Boaz. Again, this is divinely orchestrated because a good person's steps are ordered by the Lord. And then of all the days for Boaz to turn up, now he's the big boss, he's the boss hog. He didn't turn up in the field ever. He had workers for that. He had people for that. Yet this particular day when Ruth arrives, he just so happens and understand in the story of Ruth, the phrase it just so happened is repeated with irony throughout the entire text. Just so happened. 
that Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. He's a nice boss. Look at him. I've never heard Pastor Jürgen say that when he walks into the church offices. The Lord be with you. And then all the team pump out of their cubicles. And with you, sir. And then he said to his servant, whose young woman is this? You want to be noticed? Work hard. Oh, they're prejudiced against me. The boss doesn't like me. No, are you a hard worker? Because Ruth was. And what was more impressive was she was a Moabitess. She had every reason to claim victim status. So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, it is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and she continued from morning till now. And though she rested a little in the house, because every hard worker deserves a little rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close to my young women. That's a word. Stay close to my people. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the, the young men not to touch you? This is interesting. This tells me the culture that she was living in. The fact that a man would say as an act of benevolence, I'm going to tell the, the young men not to assault you, kind of tells you what kind of culture Ruth found herself in. As a foreigner and a woman, she was beyond, beyond a second-class citizen. But in that field, she found a man, his name was Boaz, but his heart was Jesus. And he opened up a door for her that no other man could have opened. A door for opportunity. And then Ruth goes on to glean in the field and he makes it so the workers drop little bits of extra barley that she could pick up. So much so that at the end of the day, she returns to her mother-in-law, Mara, who'd renamed herself Bitter, who's sitting there thinking about, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. But at the end of the day, I have compassion for her because she'd lost every man that she'd ever loved. But here she is sitting and God found her in her bitterness and brought a friend along alongside her like Ruth and she comes home and she's got like the mother load of Bali. Wow. <laughs> the mother load. Most people when they would glean after the reapers would maybe pick up a few little shreds to make one tiny cake and eat it in their house with their bitter mother-in-law but not Ruth. She came home with armfuls of harvest. I'm telling you today, when you cling to God, when you walk with God, he can change the script over your life. You will walk in an unmerited, unexplainable favor that you should not be walking under. Do not claim victim status. Look to the Lord. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. So Ruth collects, and not only that, she then starts a romance with Boaz. It's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. And the Bible says that Naomi freaks out and she says to Ruth, where did you glean today? Where did you work? She's so excited. She's repeating herself. And, and Ruth says, well, I went to, to the field of Elimelech. And Naomi's like, oh my gosh, what, Elimelech? He's your cousin, which in any other culture would be bad news if you want to date someone. But back in that day, hearing he's your cousin was a positive. In other words, he may just have to be your kinsman redeemer because she was a widow. He is now going to take care of you. Naomi's like, only, only Jesus, only God could put this together. 
of all the fields in all of Bethlehem, you just so happen to walk into Boaz's field and he just so happens to be there that day. I'm telling you, God is going to change the script over your life. But in order to, for you to have a Ruth-sized testimony, you have to not be content with being a kisser. I'm going to sit in church and I'm going to do what everybody thinks I should do and I'm going to say what everybody thinks I, I should say, but my heart's not in it. Will you cling to Jesus? I can't give you my devotion. I can give you the Word of God, but I cannot give you my devotion. And it's my devotion to God that has changed my life. You know my story. A little girl from a little town on the south coast of Australia who has at most a 10th grade education. I wish I was a communications major. That would be awesome. But I cannot add that to, to the title or, or the biography of my life. How am I where I am? Only Jesus. Because when many others kissed, lifted up their voices like Orpah and kissed, I clung. Will you cling today? It is all the difference. It makes all the difference in your life. Why isn't my life working? Well, are you a kisser or are you a clinger? Because clingers always have a harvest, a Ruth-sized harvest. When everybody else is turning up with a few little strands of barley, she comes in with arm loads. It was like an orange theory workout just to bring that baby into the house. And Naomi's life is changed. She no longer refers to herself as Mara bitter anymore because of Ruth's example. She now looks and goes, oh my gosh, my Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. Why did I doubt? Why did I leave? Why did I go to Moab? And even in that, God made all things work together for good for me. Moab, uh, Ruth ends up marrying Boaz. It's a very tricky, very scandalous love affair too. Naomi says, I want you to go turn up and lie on the end of his bed and then do what he tells you. Can I just advise you, ladies, please don't do that. You, you will get a restraining order and you will deserve it. Okay, this is like an ancient way of courting and romance. But because Boaz was a gentleman, again, he's a picture of Jesus. He said, sweetheart, this isn't how it's going to happen. Go, just wait till the end of the day, till, till morning break, like I want to, and, and go before anyone can see you. He was concerned about her virtue and reputation. And then he said, I'm going to go before the whole city, the whole country, and I am going to say, I want you. You're mine. You belong to me. I'm going to redeem you. Yeah. I'm going to redeem you. And the next day he, he stands in front of everybody. And I want to say to you today, this is a picture that Jesus is not ashamed of you. She was a Moabitess. Do you know that in Israel, you weren't even allowed to or supposed to go into the temple as a Moabite for 10 generations as penance for the fact that you came from a supposed cursed race. But Jesus, Boaz, breaks all the stereotypes. He turns up in the middle of Bethlehem and he says, I want her. 
I'm going to pay full price for her. There's another guy who could have also laid, laid claim to Ruth and, and he decides, no, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. She's a Moabitess. She could have some crazy cousins that turn up around Thanksgiving time and they could turn the world inside out and turn our family upside down. Uh, I'll pass. You can redeem her, Boaz. And so Boaz marries Ruth. What's the moral to the story? When you cling and you don't just kiss and you keep walking with Jesus, he will change the script over your life. Naomi and Ruth walked into Bethlehem, barren, widows, impoverished, rejected, despised, foreigners, overlooked, empty. But God changed the script over their life and the widow became a wife. The empty became full again. The barren woman held a grandchild in her arms. The motherless became a mother. The fortunes of those who had lost everything had been restored. Our God can change the script over your life. Maybe 2020 has been a year of great loss for you. That's how we're introduced to Ruth and Naomi in this story after one of the most tragic losses. And yet when we walk with God, we see that he can change the script over our lives. He can turn everything around. I'd love it today if you'd stand to your feet. And if you're here and you needed to hear just the simple story of Ruth, again, Ruth's story is only four chapters long and there's a whole lot more to it. I had to skip over a lot for time. But I wanna say to you today, read it through. It is the word of the Lord right now. He's going to change the script over your life when you fully surrender to Him and walk with Him and cling to Him. When everybody else is walking away, cling to Him. Just close your eyes for a second. Think about the areas where there has been a negative spoken over you, a label put on you like there was on Ruth, or maybe you've put a label on yourself like Naomi. Maybe you've called yourself bitter because of life's bitter moments. Where does God need to change the script over your life today? Where do you need a script change? There's a reason in the entire Bible that Ruth is only one of two women with a book named after her because God looked down and He was so impressed. You mean a Moabite woman, a foreigner, a woman who, who, whose only understanding of God came from a moderately bitter woman who spoke out of her emotions, Naomi, and yet she still followed her to Bethlehem because of my word. Wow. Somebody name a book after that woman. Will they name a book after you? Will there be a book of Jesse? Probably. Will there be a book of Summer Peterson? I think so. I, I want to encourage you today when the whole world is turning. And listen, Orpah wasn't evil. She was just scared. She did what a lot of people do in a time of famine. She went back to her old life. My friends, don't do it. Cling to Him. If I had one word to give you about the testimony of my life, what would it be? On my tombstone, when I'm very, very, very old, I'm going to die very, very old, healthy, in my sleep, with a smile on my face. But what will my tombstone say? She clung to God. 
She wasn't a kisser, she was a clinger. And God changed the script over her life. Leanne Gray from Wollongong, New South Wales with a 10th grade education, who, who, did, who still doesn't know which one is greater than, less than. But, but she, she did everything she could for the Lord. She clung to Him when nobody else would. And look at the legacy of her life. Oh, they can say the same thing about you when people have labelled you a victim and you've believed it. Don't believe it. The worst narrative coming out of the world right now is you are a victim, you're a victim, you're a victim. Lie. When you are with God, I'm telling you, you can change the script over your life even if you've been victimised. You're an overcomer. Do not believe anything less. Lift your hands to the Lord. And right now we make a vow afresh. Just as Ruth made a vow, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following you. For God, where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people shall be my people. And oh God, you will be my God. Come hell or high water. Come famine or come feast. Come popular or controversial. You are my God and I will cling to you my entire life. Somebody shout to God. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Yeah. We're making disciples at Awakened Church. We will always lead you to faith in God. Your future will always be better than your past. Tomorrow will always be better than today when you walk with God. I just know it. I just know it. And I love you too much to lie to you. Cling to Him and everything else in your life will shift. The script is about to change, America. The script is about to change. Amen. Getting a photo. They never have any good ones of me normally, so I have to pose for them. They're all like me doing faces. Well, I love you guys. Let me just, again, just pray over you. Father, I thank you for these ones. Lord, I thank you for your hand upon them. I thank you that your light shines upon them today. Father, I thank you that goodness and mercy follow them all the days of their life. And Father, as the host of heaven looks down upon us today, that they see a company of people who are clingers. We cling to God. And I thank you. You are building your church in this city and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Somebody say amen. Amen. Shout amen like you believe it. Give God the glory and the praise. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.